Hey, it's Solomon and Adra. Adra and Solomon. Whichever way you want to say it. And before we get started with this episode, we just wanted to let you know that you're listening to an older episode and you may notice some differences. Firstly, we've changed the name of our podcast from Art Mythos to Afro Mythos to better reflect our focus on African mythology. Additionally, we've also changed our name from SAR to Adachi. That's right, but don't worry, it's still the same great podcast and you're on the right page. We're excited to continue sharing our love of African mythology with you. And we hope you enjoy this episode. So let's dive into the fascinating world of Of African mythology. African mythology told through art. And we're your hosts, Solomon and Adra. Adra and Solomon, <laughs> whichever way you want to say it. So, since it's spooky season, we're bringing you our very own spooky edition of Art Mythos. Thanks to Tariq for suggesting the theme for October. It makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? It really does. So, now, this episode should be out around Halloween time, so happy, happy Halloween. Happy Halloween, or whatever you guys say. <laughs> Just a disclaimer, this episode will contain death. Blood. And some scary shit, so you've been warned. <laughs> so, we've each found our own scary African mythology figures and folktales that we will be telling you today. Yes, we will. So So, Solomon's going to kick things off with his scary African mythology figure. I'm excited um, to see who that is. Yeah, let's find out. Okay, so in honour of spooky season, I'm going to tell you about a powerful group of Loire called the Gaide clan. The Loire are spirits of the African diasporic region mm-hmm. of Haitian voodoo. Nice. Most of the deities are derived from traditional regions of West Africa, mostly the Fon and the Yoruba. So my people. Yeah, as always. <laughs> They're everywhere, innit? <laughs> the guy they are categorized as psychopumps, which Weird word, right? I love it. Psychopunk. It sounds like a music genre. <laughs> yep. Psychopunk. Yeah. So it's psychopumps, um, which are entities who no- who are normally responsible for escorting the deceased souls from Earth to the afterlife. Nice. So like Hermes in the Greek religion, yeah. Valkyries in Norse, and Anubis in the ancient Egyptian religion. Okay. So they are normally celebrated on the 2nd of November called Fate Guy Day, also known as All Souls Day. Nice. So that's very close to Halloween, isn't it? It's like two days. Yeah, it's like two days after Halloween. Yeah, yeah that's so cool. See the similarities there. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because, sorry, because I just thought, um, because Halloween is literally like the day where the dead are like on earth. And isn't this, wait, is this, what's this day? Is it like when they bring in dead people to... We're going to find out, aren't we? Yeah, all right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... I'm going to first tell you about the known Gaide and short myths attached to them. Yep, I'm ready. Let's go. So, it all began with two brothers, 
Papa Gaide and Gaide Babako. Both brothers were short and of dark complexion. As it happens, Papa Gaide was the first of all mortal men to die. This was particularly because of his custom to smoke cheap cigars. Smoking kills. (laughs) It was a natural death which created a new life path for him. Hi. Solemnly, Papa Gaide was buried by his loving family with his favourite high hat. Huh, that's very clothes. thoughtful. Yeah, yeah, so he died with his with his dripping. In his Sunday best, as they say. Mm-hmm. Nice. So upon entering his new path, yeah. Papa Gaide, just as loving and happy in death as he had been in life, discovered that he could read the thoughts of people. Dead people. <laughs> this drew him to the sick and to the sick children. Yeah. Being so close to death, they reveled in the time that they had left, extracting every last bit of joy that they could find. Papa Gaide appreciated this reverie, refusing to take a single soul from his earthly body before it was time. Oh. He's nice, isn't it? He's like a um, Grim Reaper kind of thing. Yeah, but like a really like nice Like a nice Grim Reaper. Grim Reaper. Like in The Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy. That's that's <laughs> the one. That's that's definitely the one. He was definitely Jamaican, that guy. <laughs> 100%. So <laughs> random. <laughs> so, as he took each soul, yeah. he asked them about their lives and love's often given them a chance to say goodbye to those that they left behind. It was then Papa Gaide discovered that he could also hear the thoughts of the dead. So when his brother, Ngaide Babako, died, his family dressed him in his very best evening clothes. Mm. A hat, for he was very particular about his personal appearance. He said, I want to look fly when I die. Oh, okay. So, awakened to see Papa Gaide, the two brothers rejoiced. Seeing seeing how overworked Papa Gaide was, Gaide Babako decided then and there to help him out. Wearing his sunglasses and cane, Gaide Babako took charge of the crossroads or the gateway that leads all souls to the home of the dead. Okay. So it's very similar to the ideas and concepts of death that um, we see in the animated movie Coco. Yes, yes, yeah. yeah. So they, they had like a really interesting concept of yeah. know, death and you know visiting the dead. Yeah, that's such a lit the movie. The whole Mexican culture, but this is Haitian, but it's very similar, similar. in in culture mm. to how they respect or how they interact with the dead. Yeah. Nice. So, Gaide Nibo, this is another one, okay. in life, was this handsome man with his purple shirt and black riding coat. He inspired an intense magnetism that neither man nor woman was immune to. As a result of this lustful trait, mm-hmm. he was the first person to die by violence. Oh, okay. <laughs> Becoming the patron of those who died by unnatural causes. This includes disasters, accidents, misfortune, and violence. Having died before his time, Gaide Nibo 
feels immense compassion for those who died in unnatural ways. Mm. His kind heart is often moved by the souls he guides. For those whose bodies are yet to be found, Gaiden Nibu often sends his horses to give their voices calling to the living in hopes of aiding the deceased recovery so Mm. to help them find the bodies of the dead. Oh, that's nice. um, So he is He's even been known to guard the graves of those whose burial places were unknown. Like serial killers that hide bodies and never say where they hid the bodies. Yeah, so he, you know, guards them so that um, before the family finds them. That's nice, nice to know. So these, like, like these, these guides are really nice. Yeah, that's like, nice to really know. Nice, yeah. But, yeah. Um, Guide Linto was only five foot tall and he was very old. This is another one, yeah. Yeah. Wearing his old-fashioned black hat um, that seemed to melt into his dark chocolate brown skin. Mm. He sat around telling stories about the two brothers, you know, the first two brothers. Yeah. And one day he warned all that there was a great destructive storm that was coming. To any who would listen to his warning, Guide Linto told them the best way to prepare. Six months later, when Gaide Loraj brought a great storm, appearing to many who died and taking them to the afterlife. So Gaide Linto had died at that point in time. Yeah. yeah. Fondly, the docile old gentleman was remembered, prayed to and thanked by those who weathered the storm well. Because obviously he warned all these people that the storm was coming. Right. So they, you know, thanked him and remembered yeah. him and prayed to him. Yeah. And so hearing those stories, Guided Linto with his walking cane and wearing his glasses performed miracles for the orphan children, ensuring that, you know, they were placed in good, caring hands. Mm. Even now, when Guided Linto smells trouble coming six months ahead, he goes and offers preparation and prevention. If you listen hard and take heed, mm. he will guide you through your troubles. That's nice. Mm-hmm. Second to last is Gaide Dubai. Ooh, Dubai. So Gaide Dubai had always been able to hear spirits. When she died... Oh, okay. I wasn't expecting expecting them to be she. Mm -hmm. When she died, people grieved, not only for the loss of her, but also for the loss of her gift. All of her life, Gaide Dubai had used her gift of clairvoyance to aid the healing of family and friends who were having trouble letting go of you know the past and of the dead believing that someone was still needed to perform such a task she gave her gifts of clairvoyance to the people however this failed to work the way she had intended because some of the people she gave the gift of clairvoyance to sought to join the spirits of the dead so instead of just you know being able to like um, you know, communicate with mm. those there to get closure. Mm. They said, "No, nah, I want to be with you guys in it." So um, it became an issue because they spent more time with the dead than the living. Right. Okay. So thus, it was Gaide Brave who became the guardian of the cemeteries and graves. Someone had to ensure that the souls of the dead remained and the souls of the living stayed out. Mm. As much as Gaide Brave loved all who showed proper respect, he wishes for everyone to live the life that they were given. After all, you cannot live two lives at the same time. Mm. So just wait your turn and move on to the afterlife. 
So, as you can see, there's a few characters in the Gaidi clan. Yep, just a few. Just a few. <laughs> All referring to the dead and death itself. And so to celebrate Fate's Gaidi, people will put on their Sunday best and go to church first thing in the morning to pray. <laughs> then they will go home and put on um, a regalia of the several Gaidi. So they'll put on outfits that, you know, relates to the Ooh, different Is that Gaides. what regalia means? Yeah, so it's okay. like different outfits or okay. costumes or motifs of the yeah. different guidance. Okay. So an outfit can be as simple as a white blouse and skirt and pop and purple neck scarf or can include a black top, hat and nails, a baton and a cane, um, a red bandana or multicolored necklaces. Basically anything you have in your closet. Basically. <laughs> that sort of that's know, red or purple. Yeah. So it sort of reminds me of, you know the guy in Princess and the Frog? You know the guy that's like, I got friends on the other side. The evil side. guy? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, him. It's, yeah. I think he, he did voodoo as well. So yeah, he did do voodoo, it is, yeah. To, and he talks to dead people. So yeah, maybe, okay. Okay, maybe he's a guy, though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So... It's also common to wear makeup, painting half of the face white um, with black around the eyes, oh. or even dusting the face with flour. Once dressed, celebrants go to town, go to the town cemetery, where um, those who ancestors um, who have ancestors would clean the tombs of their loved ones and leave food for them in remembrance. Nice, very unrelated. Quickly, mm-hmm. <laughs> there's this TikTok account of someone who cleans. Oh, that was YouTube. Yeah, watching. I used to watch it. So, like, it's so satisfying. But like, so she cleans like different tombs that are like have been forgotten about, like literally hundreds of years old. And she like finds out who the person was and tells their story. So it's very interesting. Yeah, I think. Then we are like looking through graveyards. I think the guidees will love her. You know? Yeah, it's really yeah. nice. Yeah. Definitely. So yeah, so those are the characters or characters called the guy date. Nice. Um, not exactly scary, but it's related to Halloween yeah. and the cultural similarities of the celebration. So people dress up as a guy date. Yeah, it's cool. It's almost the same way people cool. dress up for Halloween yeah. costumes. Yeah. And it yeah. reminds me of the whole Day of the Dead thing, as you said. So it's cool. Mm-hmm. Love Cinco it. Cinco de Mayo. Cinco de Mayo. That's it. <laughs> Okay, so now I am going to be telling you about the most dangerous vampiric being in the world, known as Adzi. Adzi, fam. Adzi. A D Z E. Sounds like a street name. Adzi. Well, you don't want this guy to be in the streets. Okay, so now this being is seen in Ewe folklore, which is popular in the people of Tongo and Ghana and West Africa. Um, so yeah, I'm just gonna start off by giving you a general description of Adzi. So Adzi is a type of vampire creature that can transform itself into a variety of insects that are seemingly harmless but hard to capture. So these are insects like mosquitoes, beetles, fireflies. So or, it's just a nuisance. Yeah. <laughs> or sometimes just balls of light. So you know, just those little annoying insects. Right, okay. Yeah. So but however, if you were ever able to capture an Adzi or Adze, I'm gonna say Adze. It will turn into a form of human. So like if you capture it, it'll turn into human. That's how you know it's an Adze. Okay. Yeah, okay. 
It has been said that at night, the Adze will slip through keyholes, under windows or around closed doors and suck blood from people as they sleep, causing the victim to fall sick and die. So, you know, very instant, yeah. Some people do think that the tales of this creature and its effects were probably an attempt to describe the deadly effects of mosquitoes and malaria. So, you know, back in the day when like, mosquitoes were like biting people you get mosquito bites in parts of africa you get malaria as a result and then most people would die mm-hmm. so this was like some people are saying that the ad say is just like people's way of interpreting what was going on back in the day yeah, before they knew what it was but from research that i've done it seems to go way deeper than just the tale to explain a deadly disease like um, I did some research, I'm not gonna lie, it was a bit scary. <laughs> like, you know when you're like researching something and you're thinking, this is actually real life. Like, <laughs> I came across some like real accounts of people being like, um, so there was this one like um, article I was reading about someone who was also looking into the ads, eh? mm-hmm. and they were trying to interview people. And they were like, yeah, so I wanted to interview this priest, but he was like, oh, I can't interview anymore because after I decided to interview, I had this dream and the Adze came to me in the dream. Nope. And they said, that's a joke. I was like, hey, what? <laughs> so for centuries, the Adze has been feared because there is no potion, spell or weapon that can ward one off it. And there's no cure for if you've been bitten. So the Adze will either drain the person of life or possess them. There's no if, buts and ends. You're either going to die or get possessed. So you're co-signing yourself to madness or misery, if not both, if, if you ever come across an Adze. So, it's not easy. Yeah, it's not easy at all. Like, So as I said, they have the power to possess all humans and those that are possessed by an Adze are viewed as witches and often referred to by the other people as Abazodom. <laughs> I don't know if I said that right. Abazom. Abazom. Yeah. So, witch. However, it has been said that the Adze possess women more frequently than men. Mm. So just like how Western women throughout history are more susceptible to evil, like Eve, Salem witch trials back in the day, according to the Ewe culture, it's the same thing with the Adze. Like, women are more likely to be mm. possessed than men. It's not why it always has to be women, but, you know, mm. it is what it is, I guess. Misogyny. <laughs> so, facts. <laughs> talking facts. Straight facts. <laughs> So due to this, it has been said that the Adze are drawn to jealousy as in jealous people, people that are jealous. Mm-hmm. So for instance, a woman who appears envious of her husband's other wives. Uh, sorry, when I read this, I was like, why does the whole, anyway, crack in the we day. We started this wrong. Yeah. Um. It's like, what? <laughs> anyway, so a woman who appears envious of her husband's other wives, don't be jealous. It's susceptible to the Adze. Mind your business. Um, as well as this, a woman who is infertile um, or a woman who is like um, with an uneven temperament. So I don't know, just someone who gets annoyed, angry. Mm-hmm. So yeah, these are all thought to be possessed by an Adze. Wow. Yeah. So on the topic of jealousy, I came across another account that said that Adze's effects are usually felt by the possessed victim's family or whoever the victim is jealous of. So you're not safe. (laughs) If someone's jealous of you and they're possessed, you're not safe, you know what I mean? So, for example, with old people, if they're young in a tribe or in a, a, um, a, not in a culture, in a village, 
started dying, if the young people started dying suddenly while the old people were staying alive, then that would be said that an old person has been possessed by the Adze. Because, you know, they're jealous of the young people and they want to stay young. The same thing about the poor who envied the rich. And a common one is women who feared their brother's children would fare better than their own. So oh, if you have some aunties that are like, hmm, auntie, you're doing better than your cousins. You better watch out because, you know. Why can't you be like X, Y, Z? Exactly. So, you know how I said women are more susceptible to the possession of the Adze? Well, can you guess whose blood the Adze enjoys most of all? Because as I said, they sometimes turn into mosquitoes who like to suck the blood of people. So whose blood do you think? like to suck blood. (laughs) Whose blood? They like men's blood, don't they? No. (laughs) Sorry, guys. Well, okay, so although the Adze, they do prey on men and women, they enjoy the blood of children most of all. Like, children. So apparently the Adze have a taste for the blood of the innocent. Children are most likely the innocent out of everybody. I see. Yeah. So one account even said that they are hunters of children and only children, and they especially like to feed on infants because they're literally the innocent, the pinnacle of innocence. Yeah. Yeah, which is a bit. So, however, though, they can also feed on palm oil and coconut water, and sometimes they raid a village's entire supply of these. But they do become dangerously weak if they do not feed on the blood of children, according to one account that I read. Wow. So it's like they have to feed on the blood of children. Was well, this and a way of like explaining why children are dying? Or like maybe. Yeah, maybe. Back in the day, that was just a way of them trying to cope with it. Um, the good news, though, is that um, an adze can sustain itself without needing to kill any child. So it can just take the blood of a child and move on without having to kill it. Like take so all it's of by it. choice that they can... Yes. It's by choice and by will to survive. So... If they are like deterred or dissatisfied from feeding for a long enough period, they become ravenous and they just go into this frenzy for blood and that's when they kill. And obviously people are trying to ward off Adze. So as long as they keep trying to ward them off, the more ravenous they become and the more likely they are to kill people. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So often when an Adze reaches this stage of hunger, even the victims who survive become infected with a deadly disease that eventually kills them. Yeah. So, you know, that's pretty, like, lose-lose situation type thing. They should just go to a blood bank. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, if rural villages have blood banks, then yeah. <laughs> so, um, while there is little that can be done to fight the Adze, there may be a few ways to free itself from its pos- to free yourself from its possession. So there are a few ways. Okay. There's light at the end of the tunnel for some people, so... Some people believe that the only way to defeat an Adze is to force it out of its host and into a quasi-human form. So this form is like a hunchback creature with talons and jet black skin. So they believe that one of the only ways to defeat an Adze is to force it out of the person that's possessed and into this weird looking creature and then they can kill this creature. Mm-hmm. And that's how. Aquaman! <laughs> So obviously this sounds very difficult as a method to get rid of the Adze because even as the Adze has transformed into this creature, it's very agile and extremely dangerous. So if you do manage to get it out of the host into this quasi-human future, creature is hard to kill. I'm like a whippet. 
Catch me. Oh, catch me. I'm not going to whip it. <laughs> but yeah, so obviously the more common method is um, one that came out of the post-Christian invasion. So I'm guessing this is like post-slavery where Western religion began to take over traditional religions and beliefs. So, you know, those colonizers over there. So this method is considered to be more effective and a bit easier. Mm. So it's more familiar to anyone who knows the Christian theology of possession and everything that goes around that. So this method is vigorous prayer. So that's another way prayer to Prayer warrior. There's ten. prayer warriors. Like, so there have been several counts of deliverance sessions aimed at expelling the Azze and potential witches from congregations. Mm. So this takes place in the form of an intensive prayer session and also exorcisms. So, you know, that's how you can get an Adze out. I'm beginning to think, like, an Adze is just a, another form of demon that's possessed someone. Yeah. If you think about, you know, the exorcism of, like, what's her name, Emily Rose, those movies, The Exorcist, mm. like... Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, it, it just reminds me of all of that. But, yeah, no matter the Adze's form of reason for attack... No one is safe from the tug of jealousy, the weight of sadness, or the bite of a mosquito. So y'all aren't safe. If you're jealous, you're not safe. If you're bitten by a mosquito, not safe. Mm. And that's that I'd say. Well, just a story. Stay in your lane. <laughs> What's your business that pays you? And the I'd say will still come to get you. They're not safe. There's no more of the story. There's no more of the story because the story ain't over. Because <laughs> the Adze can just come and... Mm. But yeah, that's it. That's the Adze. Wow. Um, yeah. Scary stuff. Vampires, isn't it? Yeah. Because he likes to suck the blood. I just love to suck blood. Yeah, so... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, I'm going to talk about my um, African folklore or myth. Yeah, spooky season edition. Spooky season edition. Mm. Okay, so you know some of those stories that Loki scare you a lot more than they should? Yes. Well, this is one of them for me. So, today we take a trip to South Africa to tell you the stories about the Tokoloshi, mm. a small group of terrifying creatures <laughs> that basically destroy your ability to have a restful night's sleep. I don't like where this is going. Honestly, <laughs> I don't want to hear this, guys. It's a lot. I don't want to hear this. It's a lot. I don't want to hear this. So, the Tokoloshi are creatures from the Zulu mythology that live in South Africa. They are said to attack you in your sleep and are said to be part of the reason why many people in the Zulu culture sleep with their beds raised off the floor. No. And as I was researching these things, I thought, okay, let me look for myths and folklore stories about them. Tell me why I could only find accounts of people's experiences with them. As in, they are very real to this, to the people today. As in, to this day. I can't do this. As in, I'm looking at news articles with them inside. 
Okay, so like. what possessed you to pick this <laughs> as something to say when, like, what? You know when you start something, you're like, no. ooh, interesting, no. and you just keep reading. And I didn't have enough time to find another um, myth, so this is what we're stuck with, okay? Okay, so... Although the, te- the tokoloshis are described physically in dif- different in different ways, um, one constant seems to be their small size. Sometimes they are described around this as like small humanoid creatures, um, like gremlins, and other times they're described as more primate-like baboons type creatures. These creatures are malevolent and very dangerous. Reports claim that they crawl into sleeping people's rooms and cause all kinds of havoc from simply scaring them all the way to choking them to death with their long, bony fingers. Yeah, it's a no from me. I just cannot. Like, you know, I love my horror. I love my scary stuff. I thought you'd love this show. I would watch crime documentary for days. I'd watch scary movies for fun. But when it comes to sleep, it's a no. I can't. So, yeah. So, it seems to particularly enjoy scaring children. Okay, that's cool. Often leaving them with long scratches on their bodies. One way to keep the the tokoloshi at bay is to put bricks underneath the legs of one's bed. Um, So as I said earlier, um, so this will put you out of reach and hopefully out of harm's way of the tokoloshi. However, this only protects the person using said bed and it might instead cause havoc on the other people not involving said person. Wait, so if you put bricks under your bed, it only protects someone, the, pe- the people the on that bed? The person on that bed. The person that put yeah. the bricks there? Yeah. Or the people that are on the bed? Whoever's on the bed. Okay. Or go to whoever else in the it, house. In the house. Okay, cool. Yeah. Bye. So the Tokoloshi is a mischievous and evil spirit mm-hmm. that can become invisible by swallowing a pebble. Hmm? Tokoloshis are called upon by malevolent and evil people to cause trouble for others. And it's least ha- um and at its least harmful, a tokoloshi can be used to scare children, but its power extends to causing illness and even death upon its victims. The penis of a tokoloshi okay. is said to be so long oh. that it's slung over its shoulders it. and it's sometimes involved in stories of wet dreams, sleep paralysis, and rape. Wait. Yeah. <clears throat> According to legends, the only way to truly destroy a tokoloshi is to find and destroy the muti left by the Sangoma, which is a witch, which gives the Tokoloshi its power. So it's like a voodoo doll sort of thing. Mm. But the the muti um, is a term for traditional African medicine. Um, But muti supposedly used for the creation of Tokoloshi involves a selection of oils, herbal balms, and body parts of various animals. This mixture is buried close to the house of the person the Sangoma wishes the Tokoloshi to attack. Okay. In 2009, there were many widespread cases of female human-sized Tokoloshi who claimed to have the name Livanshini. 
This has yet to be dismissed as a hoax. Uh, so it's still very real. So one explanation for the Tokoloshi and why it has such a prominent and terrifying creature um, that only attacks when people are sleeping mm-hmm. was a very real terrifying reasons for the creation of this creature. Okay. And the reason why, to understand it, we must understand the sleeping arrangements of the people. Yes, I'm going to give you a lecture on architecture. So, as mentioned before, they raised their beds in an important way to combat the Tokoloshi. Traditionally, many South Africans in areas rife with Tokoloshi myths slept on grass mats encircling a warm wood fire that would keep them warm during the bitter winter nights. Right. However, sometimes healthy people would inexplicably be found dead in the morning. Okay. Why? Well, the Tokoloshi, of course. But there's a theory that sleeping close to the fire in their homes might have depleted the oxygen levels that filled the homes with um, carbon dioxide. Yeah. So as it's heavier than pure air, it would sink to the bottom of the home where people slept. Thus, seemingly healthy people and sometimes entire families would be found dead. So that's so carbon monoxide poisoning? That's exactly what it is. Okay. Carbon monoxide So not the population. Yeah. So a parallel would be found between those with elevated sleepers and the lack of death. So the Tokoloshis was told as a story forewarning those who slept close to the ground. Yeah. And the fire. And baboons or lemurs were probably local to the area, hence Tokoloshi. Yeah. Yeah. What kept away the Tokoloshi would also keep away death of carbon monoxide. So, I wish I could stop there, but there's a, there was a very interesting account of the Tokoloshi that I heard in the Snarled YouTube channel. A, a story from a listener that scared me, fam. And I'm directing you to the channel to go listen to it because I feel like I won't do it justice, but I will give you an abridged version. Okay. It tells the story of a girl that they're calling Diana. From Is this a true story? Yes. Okay. So it tells of a story of a girl called Diana from Pretoria, <laughs> South Africa, um, who moved to a remote village um, where they really believed in Tokoloshi. They told her of the Tokoloshi and that they were conjured um, when an enemy places a hex on you, so like evil eye. Mm-hmm. They crawl from the wetlands and shapeshift until they get to your bedroom. Now, she noticed the only weird thing about her new house was that at dawn, a woman in black walks around the streets. Mm. So you see, for me, this is a red flag. Mom, dad, let's go. Yeah. We're not living here. <clears throat> so now her mattress was on the floor because they were waiting um, for a new bed frame to arrive. Yeah. Again, again. <laughs> so one night as she slept, something bit her on her big toe. Oh, Lord, have mercy. She looked to see it and saw nothing, thinking it might just have been rats. The next night, she laid mouse traps and went to sleep again. As she drifted off to sleep, she felt a strange surge of pain in her legs. Mm. 
as she opened the covers, she saw a tiny gremlin-like creature gnawing on her foot with sharp bloody teeth. She screamed and as her parents came to check on her, the creature escaped the room in a shroud of night. When she tried to explain it, her parents, um, to her parents, they thought that she was just making a scene to get attention mm. as had been as she'd done that when she was younger. Anyway, so they patched her up on the toe and told her, go back to sleep. At school the next day, her friends said she was lucky to be awake because when they sink their teeth into you, they also paralyze you and give you an illness. Also, they can only be seen by those who who they're targeting. Fam, it sounds like the worst sleep paralysis you would ever get. Yeah, I do not. The friend also said um, those who um, said whoever put an X on her um, or would there be anyone that could put an X on her? Obviously, she's new to the place. So why would someone hate her already? Yeah. Um, she said, n- you know, no one would. Um, the only weird thing was that per- that woman in black walking around her house yeah. at night. Anyway, he said, maybe just get to higher ground. So she asked her parents to prop her bed on four chairs. She drifted to sleep, hoping that she would have a good night's sleep. But no. As she drifted to sleep, she felt a chomp on her feet, ripping flesh. She shrieked for help, but it was too late. The tokoloshi had paralyzed her. Luckily, her parents did hear something and came to the room um, at the sound of the noise. Um, But... They didn't see it and it escaped again. Yeah. They were angry at the girl for waking her up. Um, for waking um, up. Okay. Yeah, so they were so pissed. So she was pissed and looked out the window and saw the woman in black. Getting some of the feeling back in her legs, she ran outside and asked the woman, do we have a problem? The woman in black slowly and deeply said, yes. Oh. You are in my house. The house I was forced to sell to your parents as my husband died. So she was in black because she was a widow. Makes sense. Um, So the girl felt bad, but she said, it's not my fault though. Get your money up, sis. Yeah, it's not my fault. Couldn't keep up the finances. So take the hex off of me. The woman smiled and said, if that's what you want. The girl went to sleep and felt the hex was lifted. She drifted off to sleep happily, but in the dead of night, she heard screams from her parents' room. As she ran, she saw an invisible force slashing on her parents' feet relentlessly. And then she realized that the witch had taken the hex off of her, but it would forever torment her parents. The end. And this is a true story. Yeah. So yeah, um, it's not something you want to think about when you have sleep paralysis. No, I get um, that a lot as well. <laughs> but yeah, that is the story of the Tokoloshi from South Africa. Yeah. Well, good luck to everybody sleeping tonight because <laughs> you said you wanted scary stories. No. I delivered. I delivered. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I will be sleeping uh, on I've been watching ground. a lot of Spongebob 
Before I go to bed. Yeah, I literally need to like watch better cartoons because now because what the hell was this? The guy? research wasn't easy. Yeah, it's a no for me. <laughs> yeah, well, oh, on to my story. Your turn. I hope it is as scary. Actually, no, I hope it's not as scary um, because the South Africans still like fear this to this day. Yeah, and there's still stories of them like bear stories. Well, we'll see. Yeah. Let me tell you about the man-eating tree of Madagascar. Damn, Madagascar. Madagascar. So, Madagascar is actually the world's second largest island country after Indonesia. And you may know it from the popular franchise movie Madagascar. At least that's where I kind of know it from, really. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's just a bit of background info about Madagascar. Going to delve in a bit deeper into the island. Mm-hmm. So it's actually home to many unusual creatures like the satanic leaf-tailed geckos, which are these scary looking creatures with amazing camouflage abilities. So let me, for the purpose of the podcast, I'm just showing Solomon what these geckos look like, just so you have an idea. Yeah. Okay. I'm interested. Okay. 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 So they're very scary looking and they often resemble a dead leaf. Mm -hmm. So... That's a satanic gecko. That's some autumn gecko <laughs> Um, So Madagascar is also home to the eye-eyes. Hey, hey! Hey, hey! Which are these scary-looking lemurs. Uh-huh. I can't lie. When I was, like, Googling them, I wasn't prepared. I defo would not like to cross one of these in real life. Nah. Like, their eyes are beady. They're just very, very scary. Um, like Any lemur-looking thing does not... <laughs> I just screenshotted it on my phone, yeah. I do not want that. It's ugly. Okay. And also, they're also home to, like, these giant jumping rats. So the description is in the name. They're, like, fat rats that look like the same size as baby rabbits. And I actually read that they do grow into rabbit size. So imagine a rat as big as a rabbit. Yeah. And they jump. Ew. Yeah. Like kangaroos. Uh, not quite like kangaroos. They, they just jump high. Not like rats, but not like not rats. <laughs> so, <Some> yeah. <laughs> um, but unfortunately, they are endangered due to habitat loss and slow reproduction. Good riddance. I actually find it quite sad when I read that a species is endangered. Because it's like, it's the last one. If the last one dies, then it's like they never existed. Just just wiped from the planet. It's like that. Isn't that sad, though? <laughs> Okay, well, he doesn't find it sad, but yeah. Dangerous species, save our endangered species, people. So anyway, yeah. If they're cute, yeah. <laughs> if they serve purpose, yeah. Okay, I'll give them Peter, don't, don't, don't come for me. <laughs> yeah. Peter, don't come for me. <laughs> so yeah, Madagascar is home to a wide range of unusual and scary creatures. But for many years, the strangest form of life on the island has believed to be this man-eating tree. Ooh. Yeah, so this is actually based on somewhat a true story. So, you know, be scared, be prepared, because we're in for a wild ride. timbers. So, in 1874, a German explorer called Karl Lecce published an article in the New York World where he spoke about his travels to Madagascar, where, amongst other terrifying creatures, like I mentioned earlier, 
he encountered a tree. Okay. A tree? A tree. <laughs> so, this tree was being worshipped by a primitive tribe called Makodo. Um, he described this tribe as ones that lived in caves, they didn't wear clothes, and they had no religion beyond paying reverence to the sacred tree. Mm. He also mentioned that no one in this tribe stood taller than 56 inches. So this is about four foot six. So they were all quite short. Damn. Imagine, yeah. Okay. Yeah, imagine that tribe, yeah. So this tree, he said, was near a stream and he described it in great detail. So just prepare your minds for this miraculous detail description of a tree. So imagine a pineapple, but it's eight foot high and it's quite thick. And resting on the base of this are just loads of leaves. So this is what the trunk of the tree looks like. Not SpongeBob, because you get eaten. <laughs> but yeah, so this is what the tree looked like. A eight foot tall um, pineapple with loads of leaves on the bottom. That's just the trunk, mm-hmm. just the trunk of the tree. Yeah. Okay. And the highest point of the tree hung eight leaves that literally went all the way to the ground. And he said that these leaves were like doors, but slung back on their hinges, so like open doors. That's how big the leaves were. And the leaves were about 11 or 12 feet long from the top to the ground. Yeah. And they were shaped like what he said a century plant is shaped like. So if you Google it, a century plant is basically like a long, thin plant with like leaves that are longer thin and pointy at the end. Kind of like um, that one. Yeah. So... He said that these leaves were hanging limp and lifeless and were like a dead green colour. But in the apex of this tree was a round white concave figure that looked like, you know when you put like a small plate on top of a bigger plate and it creates that kind of circle in a circle type of vibe? Mm. That's what it looked like in the apex of the tree. So he said this wasn't a flower, but a receptacle with a clear treacly liquid honey sweet property to it. So it was like oozing this sweet honey type liquid from the, yeah. So it was like, okay. And he said underneath the rim of this was a series of long hairy green trendles stretched in every direction towards the horizon. So it was a kind of interesting looking tree. If you can imagine what I've just described in your head, it's not a typical tree. Yeah. So he goes on to actually describe this in his article in even more detail, but hopefully you get the gist. It just didn't look like a normal tree. So Leche the Explorer claimed that his observation of the tree was actually cut short by the Mikados tribe who started shrieking wildly around the tree. <laughs> what? <laughs> okay, yes. what Solomon said. And thus, an eating ritual began. Mm. Mm, you could you say that, but let's hear what the ritual was, okay? So the Mikados tribe began to surround one woman using javelins while chanting, Tepe, Tepe, Tepe. And they forced this woman to climb to the top of the tree, this long, tall tree. They forced her to climb to the top of the tree until she reached that apex that I described earlier. And yeah, they then began to chant, Tisk, 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 which means drink, drink, drink. So the woman then began to drink this treacly fluid that I described, you know, the honey-like fluid. And then suddenly the slender leaves of the tree came alive. They quivered and then with what the explorer called a demonic intelligence, 
the tree suddenly coiled around her neck and arms. Like, what the hell? <laughs> so, what? Sounds like hentai. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> so, the woman screamed, but the tree would only grip her tighter and tighter, strangling her until her cries became a gurgled moan. The Sounds contr- about right. The way I'm just ignoring this guy. (laughs) The contraction of the tendrils caused the fluid of the tree to stream down its trunk, mixing with the blood and oozing viscera of the victim. How nasty is that? The treacly honey mixing with the blood and viscera of the victim, like just trailing down the tree. That must be quite interesting to see. What do you think? No. Very disgusting. Oh, blood and honey, honey and viscera, like just little like parts of the you, hu- of oh, the human oh. oozing. Anyway, the mikados then rushed forward. You would like this, wouldn't you? And they began to drink the mixture of blood and the tree fluid. <laughs> they began to drink the mixture of blood and tree fluid, and then apparently ensued in a grotesque and indescribably hideous orgy. Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> I was not expecting that. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh-oh. Wow. Yeah. So... Cardo stripe? <laughs> yeah. No. None of that. None of that. So, let she study this tree for three months not three months, three weeks. And during this time, he found several other smaller variations of the tree in the forest that he was searching. Sounds like he was enjoying. <laughs> so he even saw one of these trees eat a lima. So you know that disgusting lima that I... Okay, not disgusting because it's endangered or whatever. But yeah, no, it was actually the right Anyway, yeah. So he even saw one of these trees eat a lima. Mm. Yeah. So this tree actually kind of reminded me of the musical Little Shop of Horrors. Have you heard of it? No, I haven't actually. <gasps> little Shop, Little Shop of Horrors, bum she bum. No? No. <gasps> okay, yeah, to be fair, I wouldn't be surprised if not many people know it. I'm only aware of it because my brother was in the play where they did Little Shop of Horrors like ages ago. Like, I'm talking about Sat, my older brother. Oh, what part yeah. was he? I don't, it was one of the main parts. He was either the plant, like the cannibal plant, or the, the main character guy. <laughs> I'm a tree. <laughs> no, but it's actually a main part. It's the cannibal plant. Like, he's the main character. <laughs> like, yeah, so I think I, wa- I watched the movie adapt- adaptation like a while ago, but it's a great musical about a plant which resembles a Venus flytrap. You know, mm. the Venus flytrap mm. that actually eat flies, yeah. Um, so this plant is in a florist shop and it feeds on human blood and it gains the ability to speak and begins demanding the florist assistant to feed it. And as the florist feeds it humans, it grows bigger and bigger and bigger. It's, it's literally a really good musical. I mean... I can't believe you haven't heard it. That doesn't sound like... Little shop, little shop of horrors. No? I'm a plant and I mean humans. Suddenly see more. You haven't heard of any of that? Nope. Wow. But, <laughs> on my own here okay we should watch that musical but yeah so that is yeah the story of the man eating tree of Madagascar it was basically an account of some German explorer that came across this tribe who he saw like do this ritual where they fed a human woman to the tree 
Mm. Yeah. And apparently it's based on a true story. I, I can actually imagine it to be true yeah. because there must be so many different species of fauna that we don't know about. And, you know, it's about time for some of them to be mad again because obviously these vegans keep eating them. Wow. Yeah. And this was obviously way back in the late 1800s. And he wrote a whole article about it. So. Wow. Yeah, ever since then people have been going in search of this tree, but I don't know if anyone can find it. But it is a very, he did a very detailed description of the tree that I feel like, unless you've seen it, how can you describe something like that? Do you know what I mean? I think he was more interested in the customs around the tree. Yeah. If you know what I mean. Wow, he just winked. <laughs> But yeah, so that's us. Yeah, that is our spooky, spooky season. season edition of Art Mythos. Yeah, so um, so we really hope you enjoyed this. Yeah, we yeah I enjoyed yeah. it. Okay, enjoy might be a stretch. I've been a bit scared. I'm going to watch cartoons. Lie. Um, the next episode, if you see me talking about cartoons and <laughs> things, um, you know, I had to over correct um this week's episode. Yeah, that was not it. It was. But you asked for it, and we delivered. Um, spooky again. Season. Thank you, Tariq, for this lovely idea. Yeah, we'll defo um, like keep this going. Um, obviously, I mean next Halloween, not forever. Yeah, <laughs> I've had enough for a year. But if you did enjoy this spooky season episode, please let us know by liking, sharing, and obviously rating us and leaving reviews so mm-hmm. we know if you liked it or not. All of them stuff, you know. All just of let us stuff. know. Talk to us. Yeah. You know, we want to know what you think about these episodes. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we've had a great time. We're gonna go carve some pumpkins. pumpkins you yeah. Know, Halloween up the place a Halloween. bit. Halloween. You know. On Halloween, on through the night. <laughs> Do you know that? Um, Timmy Turner. Not to, yeah, Timmy Turner. Ooh. From um, Valley of Parents. I. Yeah. Real and scary. Solomon and Adra. Adra and Solomon. Blah, 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 blah. Blah, 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 blah. Da, 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 da.